you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd All right, take two. No, no. Correct year. Welcome, welcome to this special edition of the Fanboy Planet podcast, where we will just discuss the Hugo 2018 finalists. You know, normally we just have to rely on all you people sounding like as many people as you are, but we've got some cameras going here, so we've actually got. We, you actually are Proof. as many people as you seem like you are. Yeah, you, That's you're such a lovely audience. <laughs> I'm Rick Retznutter. I'm the podcast producer, and I'm going it right over to the podcast host, Derek McCall. Welcome. Thanks for coming out to Seven Stars Bar and Grill. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And we do have, uh, because this is discussing the Hugo 2018 finalists, we have a couple of special guests on our panel today. To my left, uh, if you're watching this on some kind of stream, to my right, uh, to your right is Chuck Surface. Hey! Two buck Chuck. Two Buck Chuck, uh, Spectre fan. Spectre fan, um, whatever alias I'm using to avoid the IRS this year. Oh, I don't know a thing about that. I don't even know what you're talking about. And I want to make sure... uh, Keep that a secret, right? (laughs) Not now. Uh, Now at least three people know. Uh, So over to my right, to the audience's left, is I want to make sure I I pronounce this right, uh, because we were concerned. No, Cliff. Cliff Winnig. Hi. And Chuck and Cliff are here to comment because you probably read the most of the finalists out of everyone in this room. Well, we have a number of people we've identified in the audience and talked to ahead of time. We'll probably be bringing up during the podcast to kind of fill in some of the spots. And we have two finalist nominees. Two finalists. Right. We can't say nominees. We can't say nominees. It's, all, it's hard to get out of that. Oh, two finalists. They are finalists. Uh, Chuck Surface. Is a finalist, and we have another surprise who will show up later in the show. Who will it be? Uh, I know, you know, I I know. You spoke to her. Uh, Yes, I do. Oh, oh, we've already, we've already reduced. Okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, let's let's go over this. Let's just start off with. I mean, we're going to go down the list. Is there a better way to do it? Any suggestions? Roll dice, randomize. We're gonna, favorites. We're gonna, as we often request. time travel, I think we're going to go to 1943 first. Are we going to do the 1943? Yeah, I think we should. Like, no, yeah, because, like oddly enough, I've read and seen most of the things. That's more true. of the things yeah, from, from 1943. <laughs> You've had more time. <laughs> Not as much time as some people say. No. Sitting right to my right. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I'm oh, 1943. The okay. okay. There we go. So the best fan writer. Right, 1943. I have this up. Uh the best fan writer, retrospective Hugo Award finalist for best fan writer, uh, Forrest J. Ackerman. 
Yeah. yeah. I never heard like of you. Right. like I'm asking you to all applaud again for what you applauded for about 20, 30 minutes ago. Uh, Forey Ackerman, Jack Spear, Arthur Wilson, Bob Tucker, Harry Warner Jr., Art Widner, and Donald A. Wilhe- Wolfheim. Walheim. Walheim. Lighting, please. Uh, so, uh, thoughts on this? Uh, nothing controversial. No. No. There's, well, the three names I'm most familiar with here are, of course, Mr. Ackerman himself, uh, Bob Tucker, and, and you know what? We've got to give it up for Art Widner, you know, because over the years that he was a fan writer, it wasn't really his golden age. Um, I have a copy of his 80th birthday special fanzine and was just a huge contributor, not only to fanzines, but to uh, what we enjoy today in modern-day fandom and uh, shaping the culture. So I'm going to put him uh, up there on the same level as Forrest and uh, Bob Tucker in terms of uh, illuminating us on those issues, and um, right on. Yeah, okay, and and, and Bob Tucker is still... Alive, right? Is, is it, he's the one that Chris. No, he's, yeah, Chris, he's. Who? Chris Garcia had mentioned when we were here for the 500th episode, there was a potential finalist who was still living. But uh, well, we'll we'll look at it. Let's baby it's in Beth. Anyone have a Garcia in their cop pocket? Uh, yeah. No. Did anyone bring Chris Garcia with them? No. no. Okay. okay. Uh, so to best fancy. Futurian War Digest, edited by J. Michael Rosenblum. Inspiration, edited by Lynn Bridges. The Fantagraph, edited by Donald A. Wolheim. Spaceways, edited by Harry Warner Jr. Voice of the Imagination, edited by Forey Ackerman and Moroto. And Le Zombie, edited by Arthur Wilson Bob Tucker. You know, I, I haven't read any of those, of course. As fanzines. Well, I'm, yeah. But I, but I am encouraged by the fact that in, in 1943, there were really cool names for fanzines, <laughs> even <I> though. <laughs> like, you know, the cog and wheel fans, you know. It's nice to it's nice to see the history yeah. come out, which no. I don't know. I mean, you know, this is one reason that I'm repeating Les all Zombie these. As a, uh, is as even a, though everybody here that was here in this room heard those, people listening to this as a podcast may not be familiar, and and so and right. I, and many I'm not. So so the great. next one, the next group is uh, professional artists: Hannes Bach, Margaret Brundridge, Ed Cartier, Virgil Findlay. Harold W. McCauley and Hubert Rogers. Now, I've, I, I know Finley and McCauley right. primarily from, uh, I've gotten a number of uh, calendars that have been adorned, adorned with their art over the years. Absolutely. And, and you know what? I'm going to throw a shout out for Margaret Brundage. Uh, you know her better than you think you do. Okay. Uh, she, did, she did a lot of weird art, you know, for a lot of the pulp magazines coming out of that particular time. Weird uh, art for weird tales? Weird art for weird tales, exactly. And her most famous being sort of that the image of that Batwoman raising oh, her yeah. arms up oh, my God. with no. the huge Batmax. Yes. That's, that's Margaret Brundage. Oh, yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, there's a connection. Excellent. Very cool. Excellent. Best so, editor, short form, John W. Campbell, Oscar J. Friend, Dorothy McElrath, Raymond A. Palmer, Malcolm Reese. It is. That is why Ray Palmer was Ray Palmer. Why the Adam is Ray Palmer? Because Julia ah. Julie Schwartz named him after after Raymond A. Palmer. Awesome. Malcolm Rice and Donald A. Wolheim. So, uh, gee, between Campbell and Palmer, probably. Okay. Oh, I don't that's, know. That's, I like Don Wolheim. You like Wolheim? Oh yeah. Founded Daw Books. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but we have an award named after John W. Campbell. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know. he can't win a Campbell. So. <laughs> no, he can't. Let's move on. The next one's pretty fun. Yes. 
Best dramatic presentation short form. And it's funny because I was sitting at the table when these were announced and going, are they short? Yeah, I was thought, <laughs> the same thought too. Below, <laughs> below 90 minutes, I believe. Well, is the, yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I figured, that's true. I figured there you go. Bambi is like 70. So that's the first. Bambi, minutes, yeah. written by Pierce Pierce, uh, Larry Moray, and directed by and somebody named et al., and directed by <laughs> David D. Han Very at prolific all at that time yeah. at uh, Walt Disney Productions. Uh, so good to see that cat, uh, cat people. Cat people written by Dewitt Bodine, the directed by Jacques Tournier. Yes, yes, the original one without David Bowie song. Uh, Although that would add some magic to but it. But you know, if you play Ziggy Stardust behind it, it all fits. Oh, is it like uh, Dark Side of the Moon? And exactly. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, Wizard, and of Oz. Wizard of Oz, yeah. The Ghost of Frankenstein, written by W. Scott Darling and directed by Erie C. Kenton. That's one I, I, I haven't seen, The Ghost of Frankenstein. Uh, I know I have. Have you looked in the closet? Um, no, it's, well, yeah, occasionally. It's one of the lesser Frankenstein actors. I'm trying to, and not that they were. <laughs> it's Cheney Jr., right. Uh, right. Thank you, Sal Pizarro. And a little shout out from Sal Pizarro. If I remember him, it's San probably Jose Mercury. It's probably Igor's best best role because it's Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Yep, okay. that's that's one that I remember as a kid. When we were watching Creature Features. That was one that did not seem to be in heavy rotation as much as say like The Bride or even even The Son of Frankenstein. Right. And I was always kind of like, when the hell is Bob going to wheel out the the ghost, the ghost, the ghost? <laughs> yeah, and well, uh, yeah. Yeah, not as solid a film as the as the son or the bride. Well, it's it's the last. The it's mic, the, the last in the, the ghost is never as solid. It's me. the last in that line of Frankenstein movies, mm-hmm. right? That Universal was doing. Yeah, and it was and it was postcode, you know. So it so it started kind of getting into the into the formula era, and then that slid into Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which is the apotheosis, as we've said. Which it is the be, end point. Be the yes. end point. And and if only Universal had been going towards that with their dark universe, everything would be fine. No, no. <laughs> I married a witch. No, I did not. I did not marry a witch. My Written wife is a Robert lovely person. Pirosh. Okay, enough with the disclaimers. So the by Robert Pirosh <laughs> and Mark Connolly, directed by Renee Claire. Uh, somewhat of an inspiration for Bewitched. Yeah, I yeah. That went. yeah, yeah, sure. Veronica so, Lake, right? Yes, yes. Veronica Lake and in, uh, Invisible Agent. Invisible Agent. That's, was that a? A feature was that done as a serial and collected as a feature? No, I think it was like the third of the Invisible Man. It's like the Invisible Man, Invisible Man Returns, Invisible Agent, okay, or yes. something. Yeah. Yes, it was a wartime. Like, wartime. How can we use these powers for our patriotic good? Patriotic good. For patriotic to, good. To, right. to you know what, access. Derek? Yeah. I have a. I feel some time travel coming on. Uh oh. Because we're warping. We have we have a special guest. And she has to go, so we, oh, we need to bring her absolutely. in. Back to 2018. Chuck, can you, here, bring her in here. We're going to get all timey-wimey here. We often do. Mystery guest, sign in, please. Uh, I am Marie Brennan, and I'm the author of the Memoirs of Lady Trent. Which, which is a finalist for Best Series. Yep. Huge congratulations. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's, it's convenient that it's in my backyard so that I could be here today and kind of get this in a social context. Terrific. We're glad to have you here. Glad to be what here. What can you tell us about the series? Uh, so it's kind of um, almost an alternate Victorian series. It's not set in the real world, but it's got a very Victorian feeling about a young woman who decides that she wants to study dragons, and I mean study them like as a scientist. So despite the fact that the series, I think of it as fantasy, it has dragons in it, but it is a series about science and how you do it on dragons. Cool. <laughs> With pulp adventure. 
Cool. And how many books are in the series? There are five, and the series itself is complete, though right now I'm almost done with a draft of a standalone sequel to it. Okay, cool. I was going to ask, because no yes. series is ever complete. We no, know this, it, and then suddenly... That you know. series is done. <laughs> there might be other books related to it, but that particular story is, in fact, complete at this point. Yes. Excellent. So what do you think about your competition? Uh, I expect <laughs> to lose. Uh, <laughs> oh. No, seriously, it, it's... Uh, the cliche is that it's an honor to be nominated, but I look at the other people that I'm up against and go, holy God, how am I in a list with those people? Because there are some amazing authors in there. Which one is, is would be your favorite out of those others? Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say... In terms of a story that's doing the kind of thing that I just eat up with a spoon, uh, Robert, Jackson's Bennett, Robert Jackson Bennett's Divine Cities. Um, okay. I, I'm one book into it so far. I have not read further yet, but I loved the first book. It, uh, it did the kind of like world-building and cultural stuff that I really love, because my background is in anthropology and folklore. And so if you give me something where it's this really richly developed setting and these things about, um, you know, the, the whole history in that setting with the gods and what happened to them, like, that is exactly in the wheelhouse you've read of the first, the first book in the series? Yes, or, I've read okay. the first one. So I was far, looking so no that one up, but I was having trouble figuring out how many books were actually in the series. Mm. It's like the third one is divided up into four additional Oh, okay. I hadn't gotten that far yet, but... Yeah. Uh, Somebody will be able to... Someone right now is yelling at their podcast device. <laughs> probably. Saying, you fool. Yes, probably. Yeah. I'm sure we, we can find these answers. Someone, someone must be. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic list. Well, congratulations Thank on you. your final status. Thank you. This and, is my first and, time. So. You know... The loser party's really cool, too. That's what I, everybody tells me, that the Hugo Losers Party is more fun. So one yeah. way or another, I guess I will find out. But. There you go. Everyone's <laughs> a Already winner. a winner. <laughs> there Everyone's we go. a winner. <laughs> yes. Right. Cool. So now we're going to jump backwards in time Absolutely. Again. Thank you very and much. Thank you so much thank for, you. for hanging out with us for again. a while today. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Woo. Back to 1943. Woo. Ooh. I'm getting a whiplash. <laughs> it's nothing new. Oh no, I That's lost my I lost my place in 1943. It's we a common side effect of time travel. Had were we about at, invisible uh, short story? No, we, we were talking about invisible agent. Oh, that's right. And invisible then the last agent. still on movies in Rudyard Kipling's young Jungle, Jungle Book. Book. Wow, that's the one with uh, Sab- is that Sabu? Sabu, I think from yeah. uh, what's the Ki- other Kipling story he's in? Isn't he Gunga Din? He's in Gunga Din, isn't he? Yeah, could be. And, yeah, I think Kim so. maybe. Kim, yes, he's in, he, played, Kim. he was oh. in Kim. So. The, li- the first live action, I don't know if it was the first, but the live action Jungle Book. Really? Ah. Which one of the Sinbad films is Sabu in? He turned into a god? Into That's a dog. Right. Oh. I, 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 I'm audio dyslexic. All right, so, yes. <laughs> so, beyond that, you go back to 1943 because I've lost my. 1943 mind. Best Short Story. Oh, God. Look at that. Look at those names. Fred, Frederick Brown's Italian Sherdoo. Sure. Sure. And then Mimic by Martin Pearson. Proof by Hal Clement, which you got a reaction out of. Uh, Run Around by Isaac Asimov. The Sunken Land by Fritz Lieber. And The Twonky by C.L. Moore. And I know, Chuck, you read, I've read the Twonky. You've Twonky. read the Twonky, Derek. I have read the Twonky. Uh, I'm just going to say it's a really interesting year for Retro Hugos to feature a story from iRobot and the first Foundation story. In yes. Right? Yes. Awesome. That's, right? It's a those fundamental Those are kind year. of eternal, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, the Twonky, I think, is was adapted into a, a Twilight Zone episode. Really? And it's sort of a, an early uh, condemnation, perhaps, or with some affection of the dangers of television. Okay. So an alien comes and builds uh, a device for uh, that he thinks would be helping mankind, and it ends up being uh, too protective and, and uh, adaptive okay. to society. So it's it does more harm than good, and uh, yeah, so interesting. Thank Fred, you. more people have heard about Frederick Brown too than they think they have because of Martian Go Home. Yep. Okay. And, and that famous Virgil Finley cover of the yep. little green-headed yep. man looking through the yep. keyhole. Yeah. Yes, all right. Which has one of the best endings ever. <laughs> How they solve the Martian problem. <laughs> Someday we'll solve it. Yep. And uh, so best novelette. Novelette. Birdie and Saddle by Isaac Asimov. Foundation, as we mentioned. Bridal Isaac and Saddle. Bridal. Not Birdie. Bridal. Yeah. I know. It's the dark over here. I'm trying to get lighting behind it. Uh, Goldfish Bowl by Anson McDonald, also known as Robert Heinlein. Uh, the Star Mouse by Frederick Bound, which I swear I, I must have read that at some point. I, I, it just sounds really familiar. There Shall Be Darkness by C.L. Moore and The Weapon Shop by E. Van Voigt. We're really getting into the big names now here. This literally. is really big time stuff. I this mean, is what well, we're getting into the age now where we're kind of moving past the pulps and we're really getting into like uh, like the, 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 the founding members of. of uh, you know, it makes me wonder you know, if, like, in another uh, 60 years. Yeah, and if they say, "Well, we're we're revisiting the Hugos," would there be an entirely different list after time has passed and more people had had a chance to see everything? Right, and and I think part of the big exciting thing about Hugos for me is, I come in knowing I'm not going to have read everything, obviously, right? right? Who would? And so part of the exciting is not knowing the stuff that I like got up there on the board, and you heard me cheering and breaking yep. Rick's microphones and all that. Yep, but. Um, um, stuff that I can get exposed to and new things for me, not only from this past year, but in 1943, looking at that saying, I need to either relook at that or look at it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so, so never feel shy about saying, oh, I haven't read that. I need to step into it, you know, because that's the biggest part of the excitement about this for me, you know? It's, it's a great reading list. Two great reading lists. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right? So, so uh, if I could just jump in absolutely. Uh, with my. You got it. I, I have an anthropology background, ethnomusicology, but basically in general and you know 1943 Hugos retro Hugos are for 1942 works right which is after America entered the war yes and both Asimov and Heinlein were in the armed forces at the very least probably a lot of the other people on there and I just find that really interesting that these these works came out in 42 while they were in service yeah yeah Uh, I don't know whether they were written beforehand or like during boot camp or, or what but but um or before they, they joined up. But I know they were both involved in the war effort. Interesting. Right. Let's go to best novella. Uh, you've got the... Uh, yeah. Asylum by A.E. Van Voigt. The Complete Werewolf by Anthony Boucher. 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 And it, because his son actually lives in Sunnyvale. Oh, cool. And so it's a local connection there. Anthony Boucher. And I went to high school with his granddaughter. Nice. So. Hell is Forever by Alfred Bester. Nerves by Lester Del Rey. The Unpleasant Profession of Jonathan Hogue by John Riverside, a.k.a. Robert A. Heinlein. And Waldo, Waldo. by Anson McDonald, also right. a.k.a. Robert Heinlein. 
And the Waldo has got to be is my hands-on favorite for that list because not only was it a cool story, but he termed he coined the term Waldo, which has become a a, a an actual term used by scientists working on physical assistance mm-hmm. technology, where you, a slight pressure renders a heavier pressure, and that's where we were getting mech suits for people who are disabled mm-hmm. and stuff. So that's uh, that's an awesome little list. And again, it's a uh, list, list that I'm going to be looking into now. So we got novel next. We got novel. Okay, you, you have to go there. I still can't find 1943 in my. Okay. Life, in, in my Beyond the Horizon by Anson McDonalds, aka Robert Heinlein. Heinlein. I hope Heinlein appreciates all these nominations. Um, Darkness and the Light by Olaf Stapleton. Donovan's Brain. Where I think you and I fist bumped over. Uh, oh my God! Yes, Clifford Cinemax. Sion Muck. Yeah. Uh, Donovan, Donovan's brain. Do you remember the sequel to that was? I haven't haven't read it yet, but I'm going to now, of course. Hosser's Memory. Yeah, yeah. I read Hosser's Memory first, and then I went back and read Donovan. Hosser's and you know memory. what? I'm I'm so glad to see Kurt Siodmuk's name in here multiple times in multiple categories. You know, I remember him from The Wolfman, right? Yes. I think. Director, yeah. writer, coming over from Germany, mm-hmm. had his background like in the whole, had his background in that whole um, uh, German art house movement, you know, and uh, lovely, 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 just to seeing him get his day, you know. All right, Islandia by Austin Tapon Wright, Second Stage Lensman by E. E. Doc Smith. How could he not? I, be on this that's list? so cool. My wife is a Doc Smith fan. Which How could is, he not be on this list? Right? I, yeah. Um, and the Uninvited by Dorothy McCardle. I've heard of it. I'm going to have to read it now. Yeah, that's one that I, I've heard right. before. But and I point out it. to you, I point out to you that <laughs> Robert Heinlein stands at the top with five Hugos, including retro Hugos, for for best novel. So he's the guy to beat at five. So if he picks this one up, that's six. But what if one wow. of his uh, pseudonyms Lucky picks Steph. it up? Does that still count? It's still the man. Okay. Yeah. Now we're getting sure. into theories of self, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Getting well, all I philosophical mean, for some, on the For someone podcast. listening, why was Robert A. Heinlein writing under so many different identities? Why right. was he the shadow of sci-fi authors? Why does... I mean, there are always reasons. Okay, well... Usually yeah. it's because he's so prolific that they're trying yeah. to hide the fact that the issue has more than one story by him. Right, yeah. There are four Heinlein stories in this novel in this uh, magazine yeah yeah right all right okay so Happy hugo finalists the hugo finalists back to 2018 <laughs> so best fan artist we've got uh now this is really uh this is really noteworthy that these names are a lot harder to discuss harder to uh do you want to, do you want to take them you you take the fan artists okay uh that would be geneva benton Grace P. Fong, Maya Hato, Lekine, who is M. Sereno, Spring Schoenhuth. Was that because it came close to the right pronunciation? Or you did. Just, okay, good. You did. And, it was very uh, close. And Steve Stiles. So, um, going from the bottom to the top, Stiles is a cartoonist. Yes. That we, we've, I, a lot of one-panel stuff from what I can tell. Uh, Spring works in jewelry. She yes. works in uh, oh, cool. in metals and in wires and um, and fabulous, she's fabulous she's work. she's a fixture at a lot of conventions. So if you look for springtime creations, that's her. Oh, that's and her. a multiple okay. Hugo nominee in this category. Indeed. And then uh, Maya Hato 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 Hato. Um, no she was uh, she has a lot of diverse styles. 
from pencils to inks and um, uh, some flat flat style stuff, oil work. Um, yeah, and that would be, uh, Grace is an illustrator. She's got more of a romantic style to it. Um, and we've got Geneva, who is just really colorful and, and intricately detailed. So, um, looking uh, so that's a that's a nice arrangement of people. May the odds ever be in their favor. Yeah, thank you. I was waiting for that one. Uh, so, best fan, <laughs> fan writer. writer, Chemistros Philopton. I love Chemistros Philopton. Where would I have read him? You, he's uh, you basically type in Chemistros Philopton. He has his own blog. And um, right now, his right now his friend Susie the Triceratops is sitting in for him while he's traveling. Uh-huh. He's from Australia. We're not quite sure who he or she is. Um, uh, okay. There was a little bit of, there was a little bit of a kerfuffle this year because someone had tried to out this person and was very wrong about who they thought it was. Oh, really? And uh, nice. and and he he had he's he's a humorous guy. He's, if, if it is a guy, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out how to refer to this person. They are humorous. Human. They is humorous. They are humorous. Yeah. They they is humorous and uh, uh, had a lot to say. Had a lot to say about a lot of fan things going on not only this year but in prior years uh, that ate up a lot of people's time and energy. Okay. And uh, always always did it with sort of irony and humor. And uh, I nominated this person. I nominated this person. Cool. I'm a I'm a fan out of Australia. Camastros Philopton. Yeah. I mean, that's that's great. Uh, Sarah Gailey, Mike. Mike Glyer, which you file seven seventy. Yeah. Mike Glyer, the legend. Are you kidding? Yeah, which is which has published some really interesting stuff in the last yep. year. So yeah. always, always somebody. It's notes. a huge labor. By, you know. It's a huge labor of love for this guy and his team. I mean, stuff is constantly showing up on that blog. Yeah, it's it's become a, a like a go to news source for me for community news. The, the Daily Pixel is a must go to to see what's getting a snippet of what's going on in the fan world today. Often, often. Con- uh, Comments and other media show up with an attribution for absolutely, yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, so we did Foz Meadows, Charles Pesur, and uh, Bogey Takach. Uh, Charles Pesur. It sounds like something I ch- I have read. Yeah, I'm familiar with Foz Meadows because she's also a novelist. Also out of Australia, it was actually her husband they thought was Camistros Philopton. Oh my! And and not the case at all. Not the case at all. And cool. uh, so she got a she got a little fist bump, you know, a little little yeah. popularity bump for for that involvement. <laughs> uh, but she's she writes uh, fantasy novels as well, and uh, uh, very good writer. So so yay Australia, yay down under for the fan writer category right, this year. Cool. So fan cast uh, the Cood Street podcast. Which is hosted by uh, Gary K. Wolf, who's a critic, and anth- anthologist editor Jonathan Strahan. Strahan, I believe it's Strahan. Strahan, Strahan, Strahan. Good. Okay. Uh, it sounded too too jazzy. Strahan. Do 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 do. Bassist. Um, and let's see. Ditch diggers. Yeah, yeah. Ditch Diggers presented by Murray Lafferty and Matt Wallace. That, that is about that is a, a podcast for writers. Yeah, who are professional in the sense that, or, or working to act professionally. The, uh, the, the tagline that I read in Wikipedia for them was, uh, the business of writing when the craft is not as important. 
it's about everything but the crap. Yeah. Oh, so, that's interesting. So, no, that that's, that's very that needs, needs to happen. Yeah. It, and to and happen. it is it's all it's game aimed towards professional writers, and it is the least professional sounding podcast in the sense that they're always cracking jokes uh-huh. and saying off color things, and it's just. No, we're going for least professional podcast. Right. right. Is, is well, that well, a category? We're hoping to be a competition. I cannot listen to an episode of Ditch Diggers without totally cracking up at least once. Cool. And I, I, the quote was, the craft is not as important as the deadline. Sorry. It's, <laughs> it's true. No, it's, yeah. these, these are all familiar names, though, in terms of, in terms of this category, in terms yeah, okay. of nominations. Most of, them, most of them have been down this street before. Um, Cooch Street, um, Galactic Suburbia. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Fangirl, Fangirl Happy, Happy Hour. Hour. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah intersections of, of fandom, there. literature, and culture. Uh, and it looks like, let's see, is it a... Nope, not I was. What I was going to say is not true. So eh, move on. It's never stopped us before. Galactic Suburbia, which is speculative fiction news, yep. reading notes, and chat from the galactic suburbs of Australia. Yep. Yes. Here we go again. Wow. Right. Yes. Wow. They're great. Wow. I've, Even I've, more. I've learned a lot about the Australian science fiction scene from listening to this podcast, including wow. the Ditmar Awards and all that stuff. Do it's, they? Do they? Whenever Peter Jackson shows up down there, they? Are they um, I don't. I've he's, never uh, heard of Peter New Jackson Zealand? on the podcast. New Zealand. They're, they talk about they books. Really. Is Abigail Nussbaum involved with them in any way? Do we know? You just offended. No, I did. Yes, you did. No, no. One of one of <laughs> they're the, lovely people. They're hard. One of hard them is them. on Tasmania. Oh, okay. Uh, the other okay. two are on mainland Australia. Okay. Sword and laser. Sword and laser. Veronica Belmont and Tom local Merritt. kids. Yep. We've yeah. we've, uh, we've shared panels with them before. Yes. yes. Well, you have. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Verity. Verity. Now, is that? Was that's that a Doctor they, Who? Yeah, that's they it's, were it's, they were Gallifrey It's an all female Doctor Who podcast. Yeah, named after Barry Lambert, Barry Lambert right. the first producer. Yeah. I think of it as kind of like the female half of Radio Free Scarrow. And their their tag their tag or whatever I could figure out was six smart women discussing Doctor Who. And that's if you're going to write a business statement, that's that's pretty that's, close that's pretty to the good. heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so fanzine, you take best it. fanzine file seven seventy yeah. edited by Mike Lair. Yeah, it's a giant file file. It's just a giant. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, the, I mean it's it's interesting that that he's nominated and the fanzine is nominated both. That's yeah, that yeah. tells you something. And he covers it's his uh, SF clubs. So he must report on all the different clubs. He around. reports on actually everything. Everything. It's amazing. It's kind and of he's amazing. really most most of the time he's really dispassionate about how he goes about it. But every once in a while, depending on who's one of his correspondents, will kind of step out from behind the uh, yeah step out from behind the curtain, so to speak. But um, the commentary is always awesome on it too. It's a great site. All right. Yeah. Galactic Journey, edited by Gideon Marcus. This has such a, an intriguing premise because it's almost like the retro Hugos every. every I week. know, right? They're they're writing about fiction from fifty five years ago, which is like, like what got me thinking about the perspective that the time has on uh, talking about what were really the important works of that time. So I guess they're moving through the years, or even what are the important minus works at that time we're not thinking of as important yet. Yes, yes. you know, right. Well, there you go. Journey Planet, edited by everyone in this room right now. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, so, no, we actually do I, have part of Team Journey Planet. Uh, Chuck, Chuck Surface. Chuck yeah. Surface. Yeah. There's a story behind that. So there were ten of us that participated, including Chris and James, the, the, two, the two founders of this. And uh, it, they run it like a village, right? They invite all their friends to kind of come in and play, pitch yes. ideas, okay. co-edit. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever if you've ever copy edited Chris Garcia, you appreciate. The, oh, uh, I did. You appreciate that. You years. appreciate the sweat behind that. 
And so I helped, uh, he, Chris and I co-edited uh, a tribute issue to Bob Wilkins this year. Yes. yes. And, I, uh, and I helped out on a couple of other issues. I contribute. And they like, to, they like to think of us as a village. You know, they like to acknowledge the people that work on their product. That was a, who did the cover for the Bob Wilkins issue? Uh, our friend Mo Starkey had some art in there. I thought so. That was an awesome Mo, did you? I see Mo Starkey in the back. Did she can't hear it. She's she can't. She's, 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 she's schmoozing. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Starkey. Like Mo is not listening to no, us. No, it's okay. That's okay. We can move forward. Nerds of a Feather Flock Together, edited by The G. Vance Cotria. Hang on just a second. Here comes Mo. Oh, here comes Mo. Get on the mic next, to, uh, next, to, next to Chuck. Just down here. I want to ask you a couple questions. Come talk to us for a second. We're going to... So you you are you are part of an involvement in the Journey Planet uh, scene, and I I I have to say I was glancing through Journey Planet stuff uh, this morning, and I saw the Bob Wilkins drawing, but I didn't see who wrote it, who 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 drew it. And Chuck says it was you. Sign them. I just do them. (laughs) It was a lovely. It was kind of. Is he? He's floating in a uh, in a void. Well, he's kind of. It's kind of a. uh, I think of it as a Twilight Zone. Okay. Um, kind of just him in his his iconic uh, rocking chair. And That's he's awesome. Swimming around. My favorite that I did, but this was last year, uh, was uh, a full painting, a full painting of the um, uh, the Polish soldier from World War One. Okay. He's riding a horse, and he's carrying a javelin, and he's wearing a gas mask, and to me, you know, World War One was such a ludicrous war because you had men. You, you had men running around in cars and tanks with pieces of medieval armor on their on their on their suits, on their suits. and feathers and helmets. It was just uh, just an amazing madness. So how many covers a year do you think you do for Journey Planet? Uh, I haven't been doing a lot of covers for Journey Planet. No, and it all depends on you know if Chris wants to use my my drawing for a cover, then yeah. he, you know. He gets a hair. Uh, so you just submit art, and they decide. How and then he use goes, it. "Oh, this will make a nice cover." Uh, awesome. I do. Uh, I am. Uh, I just sent him a, uh, four illustrations for Star Wars, so nice. you guys get a uh, get a chance to see it. I will. All right. So, well, yeah, thank you. And even Jar Jar Binks. Okay, even Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you, Mo. Thank you. So, under the category of works great on radio, luckily we have video here. We are. Uh, we do have in front of us two representative Hugos. The first one is from what year is this from? Two thousand twelve. Is it? Are you okay? Based on the Picasso. And uh, what's interesting about the Hugos? It's always the same rocket. So the base is what changes every year for the award. This this base is based on a an iconic Picasso sculpture in Chicago downtown. Oh, sweet, cool. Great. And then, and then and then in this box here, this box which I'm holding up to the camera, <laughs> is the Hugo Award from the Hugo Losers Party last year, I think. Uh, yes. So it's a, and it's a it's an editable uh, Hugo Award in a frame uh, that are uh, that I can't imagine anyone actually would have eaten this. They're delicious. Okay. <laughs> Loss is tasty as heck. And we'll see if that <laughs> so, award makes it I out of the room. Got one sitting on my so bookshelf at home, yeah. We could divide this between the four of us, don't you think? Okay. <laughs> I've always wanted a Hugo. I've always wanted to eat a Hugo. 
<laughs> yes, okay, that was Moe's Hugo from 2012. That, that is true. Uh, as, we, as Hugo winning artist Moe Starkey says, that is her Hugo. <laughs> yes. Uh, the other fanzines, uh, Rocket Stack Rank, edited by Greg Hollander and Eric Wong, and SF Blue Stocking, edited by Bridget McKinney. Yep. So uh, Rocket Stack Rank uh, focuses on um, original uh, short fiction, discuss great original short fiction, and help casual science fiction oh, help casual science fiction and fantasy fans efficiently identify, obtain, and discuss great original okay. science fiction. So if that's happening, you know what, do you, what can you say about SF Blue, Blue Stocking? Uh, book reviews, television recaps, occasional film coverage, listicles. And week, uh, yes, and weekly link posts to what's good on the internet. That's been down this road before. It's been nominated before. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So tell me, listen, because the next category is best semi-prozine. Yes. What is the difference between a fanzine and a semi-prozine? That's money. a good one to throw out to the audience. I think it has to do with <laughs> money. Chuck, okay. So you can't. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Yeah, so, so semi-prozine. So, you know, fanzines are labors of love, right? Right. And I can never remember what the percentage is. but 25%. Something like that, yeah. It's 25%. 25% love? No more than 25% of your love can go... No. Yeah. 25% of your income can come from that effort. And it still says fanzine if it's 25%. Right. Okay. So Bill Gates could do a hell of a great fanzine. Yeah. Is the, is, is the mic here live at the end? Yes, it is. It is. Sit down. Tell us. Hi, Andy Trembley here. And so, okay, so fanzine is a labor of love. Um, fanzine, nobody gets paid for. A semi-prozine is a labor of love, but it actually pays the contributors to it. Yes, there you go. So the editorial staff oh. is, the editorial staff, the, publishing, the publisher might get a nominal amount of money out of it, but very little. The definition of professional is intentionally vague in the rules. Okay. But basically, it's the a, a fanzine is nobody involved in it is doing it for anything other than the same reason you're doing this podcast, because you love to do the podcast, and you like talking about comic books, and you like talking about I'm, geeky stuff. I'm addicted to buying equipment. And you're addicted to buying equipment. <laughs> yes. Uh, is there a so, category so the difference like is broader of... <laughs> so, 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 Fanzine, so, so fan ads are addicted to buying printing equipment and, and, uh, and, desktop, and desktop publishing software right. and scanners. <laughs> and, um, no, no, but, but the, the thing is, yes, yeah, semi-prozines are a, are a commercial market for writers, but not a prof- usually not a professional rate paying. Though in some cases, that's not true. Uh, Clark's World actually play, paid professional rates to their contributors. Mm-hmm. It's just Neil never made any money off of it uh, personally uh, because it was it was a labor of love for the for the edit, for the editorial and publishing team. So that Strange Horizons is like that too. Yeah, Strange Horizons. I mean, this is the that's what a semi-prosine is, uh, okay. and semi-prosine semi-prosines used to be Locus Magazine. Which basically was a fanzine right. that turned pro. It was the Locus uh, Award to get them out of the best fanzine. It was. It was. Yeah. It was the. It was. It's. It actually. The, uh, Cliff's not joking. It was the best Locus Award initially, because Locus kept on, kept on beating all the fanzines because it had a huge distribution compared to most fanzines back in the day. Yeah. Um, and it was actually selling copies. These days, semi prosine isn't that anymore. 
these days, semi-prozine is the is the hot market where it's it's a hot market for short fiction. Some of the best short fiction publishing, some of the most adventurous, um, riskiest short fiction um, acquisitions are happening in the semi-prosine market. Uncanny has sweeping the Hugos uh, this year. Uncanny Magazine, yeah. Uncanny Magazine, seriously. Um, I mean, I love oh, winning Michael you, the Great Can you people. run down the list? Can you t- give us your take on yeah. the different prosines? Give me a second. I need to get my geezer glasses. While he's doing that, I'll just mention I We have a geezer glasses filler music. I am a proud Kickstarter backer of Uncanny, and they do that's worth mentioning that each year. There is a Kickstarter right now for both the digital and physical versions of Uncanny Magazine being brought back. And you can actually get a subscription to both, which I yeah. love that idea. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you backed it, didn't you? Uh, that was Amazing Stories. Was that Amazing Stories? Amazing yeah. Stories has one going oh, right now, they're too. They're both going at the same time? Yes. Yeah. I... What I just said was about amazing and you know stories. what I don't know anything. And you know about what amazing stories need your love because they got about seven more days I think going. Yeah, they're yeah. they're behind and they're behind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they can use your love. Yeah. Okay. But but uncanny since year one has been kickstarted year to year. So do you know what their what what the pledge buy-in is on this? I'm, I'm not okay. that up to date. I just okay. I've just backed them every year. All right. Not hard to find on Kickstarter. Andy. Yeah. yeah. So the funny thing is that, of course, I've been spending way too much time running conventions to do enough reading the last uh, year and <laughs> or two. But, yeah, so semi-prozines. I mean, I know the folks behind Escape Pod. Uh, I, that's... Murr, Murr was one of the people who really started doing... Um, Murr is one of the people who who was at the very beginnings of of kickstarted uh, of, of of kickstarted audio fiction uh, podcasts. That's that's uh, Mur Lafferty of Ditch Diggers, and I should be writing fame. Right. Yeah. Um, I know I've met Anna and Thea Anna Grillo and Thea James from the Book Smugglers, but I haven't actually I, I haven't read their stuff this year. Um, We got Strange Horizons. I know. I, I actually, again, I know some of the people from the Strange Horizons staff. That's that is a. It, they publish some some really okay. cool stuff. I do love and the title uncanny. Book Smugglers. Oh yeah. my god. Well, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I've I've smuggled a few books. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I know. So um, so let's move on to best best professional artists. So um, and again, this was a lot of fun to to look up. Uh, Galen Dara. To, uh, colorful abstracts that were uh, and loosely based on figures and fantasy surreal uh, backgrounds, and then Kathleen Jennings was uh, is very illustrated uh, an illustrator fantasy style stuff in pen ink and uh, cartography, and she does maps and she does these silhouette pieces yes. too. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, Bastien Lecoff. Darn? No, I'm not going to help. I just said, uh, yeah. Okay. You're <laughs> Thank you. I didn't want to hear that happen again. I, 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 I had a very forgiving C in the front here on that one. Um, realistic nice. figures in, uh, let's see, realistic figures in fantastic situations, backgrounds, a lot of shading, a lot of focus play in her style of art. Uh, Victor Nagai, 
who is Victo is actually short for Victoria. Oh, here we go. Okay. And uh, Vic, Victo. That's, a, that's an awesome short name. She's, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I was surprised and uh, and amused. Uh, involved uh, in, de- in detail, fantastic landscapes and and kind of cultural representative Asian okay. uh, art styles and, and stuff. Okay. Then we have uh, Worldcon 2018 artist guest of honor John Picasso, who hey John Picasso, they are paying attention. Yeah, um, <laughs> some some yeah, a lot of a lot of fantasy and science fiction uh, book cover illustrations, but also well known for doing um, doing lotteria. Loteria. 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 I was looking for my Spanish to English person who's <laughs> no longer visible. Um, and also, and he's lo- getting people to Worldcon. But, and, but I was going to get Loteria, which is a, a simple card game with very stylized, original, uh, representative Mexican art for the different items that are. are it's played like a bingo game. Yes. And yes. John has been doing fantastic versions of the classic Loteria cards. It's, it's also, the deck is also used for divination the way a tarot deck is. Yes, yes, yes. But John so, is doing a complete deck, one painting at a time. <laughs> Although, as a, as a completist, it's damning because there's a lot of stuff that's sold out already because he's yes. doing a few cards at a time. So hopefully he'll reproduce. He is a, he's not going to reproduce it in the same edition, but there will be the game okay. version when at he the end when he's, when he's finished. All that 54. Cards. And then, uh, uh, but uh, can I jump in real quick? Sure, sure. Uh, John is also right. spearheading an effort to send 50 people, uh, Mexican and Mexican American, to Worldcon. Yes, uh, that is funded. That is fully funded. Uh, he's now doing a second campaign to help them with travel expenses, and your donations are welcome. Great. Where can you find out more about that? Um, just John Picasso. Uh, so, uh, what is Lone Star Boy? John Picasso. John Picasso. Dot com. Dot com. On his, yeah, blog. his blog. Terrific. Right. And you can email him and, and make donations. So now we're to the best editor short form. Um, we got John Joseph Adams, who's the editor of John Joseph Adams' books. Uh, he is, of surprisingly. How about um, that? He's also the series editor for Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy and the best-selling editor of more than two different dozen anthologies, such as The Wastelands and The Living Dead. He's also the publisher of the magazines Nightmare and the Hugo Award-winning Lightspeed and producer for Wired's The Geek Guide to Galaxy podcast. You know, when you said over two dozen, I thought to myself, that's all, because I see his He's name. slowing down. You know, he's slowing down <laughs> in his old age because he, between him and Strawn, you know, I mean, and Alan Dotlow and, and, and a couple others, I mean, these are, these are the names you see on the bookshelves. All the time. Well, he right. is actually slowing down on the short fiction because he's running his own imprint for books. So yes. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll yeah. do it. He's, pull, he, he's yeah. pulling People a Lester Del Rey. <laughs> then we have Neil Clark, editor of Clark's World magazine. The legend himself. Yeah. And we've and mentioned a bunch of anthologies. Lee Harris, who's a Tor senior editor. Lynn M. Thomas and Michael Damon Thomas. Oh, yeah. Lynn and Michael are the publishers slash editors-in-chief for the two-time Hugo and Parsec award-winning Uncanny magazine, yes. which we've heard about already. Who yeah. so would love your would love your help and support? Yes. yes. And starter. Sheila Williams is the editor of 
Isaac Asimov Science Fiction Magazine. Yep. Interesting story how she got there. I'm not gonna Retro Hugo, no- Hugo nominee Isaac Asimov's. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, and you skipped over it because it was mentioned with Jonathan Strong. Strong, yes. Uh, so the details oh, on yeah, Jonathan, Jonathan Strong. Right. And uh, Jonathan is the he's reviews editor for Locus, and, and he's the, uh, the host of the Code Street podcast, which mm-hmm. is also a nominee or Coots, finalist. Coots Coots Street. And, yes. and he does best Coots ofs Street. every year. He does what? Best ofs. He does a bunch of best ofs. Okay. Cool. And best editor long form. I'll be looking over at you, Chuck. Uh, Sheila E. Gilbert. Right. Joe Monty. Yeah, I'd like to point out Joe Monty and Nava Wolf are the editors of Saga Press, which is a Simon & Schuster imprint, and they've been publishing oh. a lot of cool novels. Great. Uh, obviously long form, but... They, they, they have an imprint, and they're, they are the, they are the main editors, Joe Monty and Nava Wolf. So Nava Wolf is the last one in this list. Yep. Uh, Devi, Devi Palai? Pillai. Yeah. Pillai? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no comments, anybody? No. And uh, you skipped over Diana M. Fo. No, she's following Devi. Oh, not in mine. Uh, oh, no, she's a, it, I have a she's different She's ahead list. in ours. Uh, Diana M. Fo? And uh, Miriam Weinberg. So these are these are the people working behind the curtain. Yeah, it's it's right. it's, it's, it's uh, that's a tough category. It is. It's not the one that gets the most votes, obviously, if any, hardly any at all. Yeah. And we got to learn to appreciate our editors more because these are the people that make our authors are looking good. Yeah, you know? I definitely. mean, they're the ones that whip them into shape. I think the know? ones that probably get the most the most credit are like anthology authors. Absolutely. Well, Strawn. Yeah, yeah. You know. Because even those anthologies are like up in the front section of any book. Like Gardner Dizois' name goes on the book. They're still alphabetized by the editor. You know, like Liz Gorinsky, who's a fabulous editor over at Tor. You know, we know who she is because she's fabulous, but her name never goes on the book, right? Because she's a long-form editor. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, they they are, uh, they're working hard in the genre we all love (coughs) to get, you know, the books that we're going to love out, out there. You know, know where their the names go? Their names possible. usually go back in the acknowledgments, right? That part of the book yeah. that oh, yeah. reads, where they says, thank you, thank you to my hardworking editor. That's and they the cool-down you know? portion of the book. After yeah, you're exactly. done with it, you read that stuff. Exactly. Go, now I know who to thank. Yep. Or hunt. Um, best dramatic presentation short form. Here we go. Mm. Black Mirror, USS Callister, written by William Bridges and Charlie Brooker, directed by Toby Hayes, House of Tomorrow. This was one of those, I, I'm working my way through Black Mirror, but I, everyone told me you have to jump right to you season to jump four right to that one, and yeah. watch the first episode because of who you are, and because of who you are, you should do the same thing. <laughs> who did they think you were? They thought I was me. And, uh, I mean, watching I'm USS Callister is like, uh, oh, do they think that that's who you are? No, they just know that I'm an incredible <laughs> Star Trek geek. So. We'll, we'll uh, get again, to Star Trek really at the end of this list. <laughs> So it is a great episode. The next one is probably there. No, I think I was the only person applauded when this came up. But the deep, which is a song by a rap band called Clipping, David Diggs, who was in Hamilton in the Off Broadway, he Jefferson, and he he did. he was the. Yes. Uh, he's he was Jefferson the for Hamilton. He, no, he's Jefferson and Lafayette. Was he in Lafayette? the original okay. cast of Hamilton and both off Broadway and Broadway. And William Hust- Hudson, Hudson and Jonathan Snipes. This is a rap song. It's a long rap song about global warming, and it was uh, their first project as a trio, building on both their long friendship and their shared obsessions with rap, experimental music. 
genre fiction and other things. And they're San Jose boys. Yes, and they're San Jose boys. boys. Yeah, I was right. about to say that. David Diggs is. I knew he was San Jose. So I was. I was. I was charmed to, to learn that. And I was listening to that this morning. So uh, Doctor Who, Twice Upon a Time. Yeah. 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 For a category Nicely that done. once upon a time was the Doctor Who category. <laughs> right. And, and just yes. such a just a sweeping like Doctor Who award. story with the beginning and end right. of the Doctor and the beginning and the ends of both the beginning and the end. Right. Yeah. Right. So Yeah. And then we've got two, and now I know you're a real big fan. I am a huge fan of, of the, the show. good place. Me too. Which scored twice. It Normally it's Doctor itself. Who that scores twice. Right. So now it's gonna become the good place category. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I am too. Uh, I, I wouldn't I'm not sure I can I can call out which episode is Michael's Gambit. I know which one the trolley problem is, yeah. which was brilliant, yeah, and which paid off again at the end of the of the season. But it, it's just this show. I've said it on the podcast many times. It, is like it is always a surprise, a revelation. I can't tell where it's going next, and it's all, and it's the, sneaky because it looks like in all the ads, it just looks like oh, a little fluff comedy thing. Well, but then it's actually a show about ethics yeah. and about and how we should treat each other. And good God, do we need a show like that in today's world? Yeah. This show took me completely unawares. I was just fishing around Netflix one night and saw this and thought I'm kind of I'm kind of brain dead. You know, I'll need something fluffy like this. Oh, that and was fluffy, I wrong? Did it? <laughs> and was I wrong? Yeah, in a, in a good way. In a good way, was I wrong? And. Um, and again, wow. yeah, I don't want to wow. get too deep into it. I keep it wanting to launch into stuff, but I, I don't want to spoil it for people. I, yeah, exactly. Because I, I, I don't know where, where Rick is in watching it. But I have not watched any of it. Okay, I, see, then yeah, you, you can get, you can get the entire yeah. first season I've on had, Netflix. I, I've had enough spoiled that I am antsy to get to it. But one thing I did watch, all of which, was Star Trek Discovery. And the episode, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, is a great choice it's the first epi- it's the second, second Harry, Harry Mud episode and it's the first Star Trek time story for this uh, for this brand of Star Trek it's it's done in in the style well people would recognize Groundhog Day but, it's a Rashomon but, Star but the Trek original of uh, Groundhog Day Groundhog is, is Day. actually yeah. Richard Lupoff's 1201 so it's done in the style oh. of 1201 so they're stuck in a time loop and yeah. and there's a growing um, awareness and a countdown to getting something done yes. before uh, everything falls apart. And we find out more about the mysterious Stella from iMud. Yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very happy with the uh, Best Dramatic this Presentation. A, 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 great, a great list. And long-form Best Dramatic Presentation. Oh, yeah. It makes you cry with joy almost, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, well, there's one absence for me, okay. which was that I thought, because it just overlooked so much, really was, did think. was colossal. Um, yes. Because I really love Colossal. What a great film. But these are all great films. Blade Runner 2049. Yes, yep. I'm so glad I got a Hugo nod. The sequel we did not know we, we wanted, but yes. it, it happened. And yes. it, was, it was beautifully done. Yes. Uh, Get Out, Excellent. which one of the best movies. Very, very year. happy that I made, made the list. Uh, the Shape of Water. Which was charming. Utterly charming. Yeah, yeah. My fear is that Shape of Water will take it just because it already won an Oscar. See if it carries that energy. Well, yeah. You know, get out. Uh, I remember too. the year that yeah. uh, the the Matrix was up against Galaxy Quest, 
and everyone assumed the Matrix was going to win. And Cory Doctorow was, was announcing the award, and he just says, never surrender. And the whole audience screams, never give up, right? Or, wow. Never give up, never surrender. Well, you know, that's what they say about awards. Is, is and everyone was realized, well, maybe the Matrix isn't going to win the Hugo. <laughs> and it didn't. And it's funny, because it, it, when, when like Rick was talking about looking back like 55 years ago, when you, if you look and tell me between the Matrix and Galaxy Quest, which is the movie that people remember? But which is the movie at the time that everybody thought was exactly you know, right? Yeah. And, and Absolutely, yeah. Galaxy Quest is—they're going to make a sequel on Amazon. Yeah. So you know, uh, but next, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. I, I like I like this. Here I we just, are at the Seven Stars Bar and Grill. Yes, I think yes, it's right. apropos that we, that we discussed <laughs> appropriate that. that Star Wars is up for a Hugo here. And <laughs> I, I I want to uh, recommend because I just finished reading the novelization, which only came out a couple of weeks ago. Oh, right. cool! And it is a terrific novelization. It reminded me of why I I like the Last Jedi. It's such a challenging film in the into the, into the Star Wars. Who who wrote canon. the novelization for that? One? Uh, Jason Fry. Right, right, yeah. So, who had written some YA or kids. Star Wars books. Yeah, and it, and it has a little of that to it, It's but it's really good. Um, yeah. Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Awesome. Uh, written by Eric Pierce. And I want to call out Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost, who cut their teeth on the animated series. They wrote for X-Men back in the 90s on Fox and did some of the direct-to-video Marvel animated books. Oh. And uh, I, think, I think they are the official creators of X-23. Because they did okay. it for the TV series, for the animated, and then to get them, you know, for, for realizing that they wrote one of the live action movies is great. So and the Marvel entry. I, I nominated into that film just for seeing the Hulk throw down on the Fenris Wolf, <laughs> <laughs> which has which has mythic quality import. I mean, just, I mean, my eyes were popping in the theater during that scene. Yeah. And now, just to wake the audience up again, Wonder Woman. From Marvel to DC. Marvel to DC. We got. That's a great array of all the elements that you'd want to see. You know what I like seeing about this too is we're starting to see movies that have speculative elements, but wouldn't be that that sort of crossover. You know, they both sort of have the general audience appeal, and also the fan appeal. You know, and I like it. Well, that's what we dreamed of. Yeah, and I always say that is that that's you know this these are. Brought and you're going to see more, uh, which we saw, just to call out San Jose, Cinequest, we saw sci-fi shorts, which was barely, you know, there were no special effects, they were just about ideas, and that's what we're seeing is, oh my gosh, ideas are yes. sneaking into film. Uh, in the mainstream, good heavens, we might start thinking as a populace again. Uh, that was enough of my commentary. Best graphic <laughs> story, uh, because I know there's one that you, both of you and I just about jumped out of our seats, but we'll go... Black Bolt. I was one. really surprised. Yeah, there's our I, I there's our dark great, horse. I, I, it's a great series. I, well, because when I say when I say that the you're only dissing bu- me for no, I'm day. not dissing you. I'm just saying the literally the only buzz on Black Bolt I've ever heard is weekly from you, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so it's just, I think that is that. Although uh, Saladin Ahmed is is gaining quite a, quite a reputation, and so I have heard good things uh, from that perspective. And it is a shame, as often happens in the world of comics, and particularly in Marvel, this was really a miniseries that they 
lied to us and said was going to be ongoing. You know, yeah. because they yeah. don't they don't say what's a miniseries because they're afraid you won't buy it at all. Well, and the thing about this category too is until except until the last couple of years, maybe. It's been with what I've heard called a cape-phobic graphic story category. Yeah. Where it's gone to more sort of the art house comics or the science fiction-based comics. Right, right. And, and, like, and a lot like more cartoon stuff. Cartoon stuff. Yeah. Where, where the last couple of years that we've seen more of the well, cape Well, I mean, Phil Foglio owned this uh, Folfolio, area for yeah. so yeah. long. Yeah. yeah. So next is... So, yeah, I also point out that Saladin is the author of uh, Throne of the Crescent Moon, a novel. Nebula, Nebula nominee. Yep. Okay. Uh, Bitch Planet Volume 2. This is just an in-your-face comic, you know? Written by Kelly Sue DeConnick and illustrated by Valentin Delandro and Taki Soma. Colored by Kelly Fitzpatrick and lettered by Clayton Cowles. That's very exhaustive. That's good, which is, again, proving we do acknowledge what a collaborative effort a graphic novel is yes. and, and how many uh, hands are there to create the art. Uh, so, yes, it is an in-your-face book, and, and people But you love know what? It. i got to say, Image Comics has been giving me life the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, they've been awesome. giving a lot of they've been giving a lot of people who ordinarily wouldn't fit in the other <coughs> publishing houses a voice, a, a presence, and they certainly fit in the Hugo uh, <coughs> finalists because four out of the six are yes, image books. That's true. Uh, Very good. Because that's monsters. They're the volume uncanny two. of graphic works. Yeah. Yeah. Monsters, monsters, monsters Volume Two, The Blood. Didn't Monsters <laughs> Volume One win last? Was that the winner last year? Volume One. Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. That. So uh, I nominated. I nominated. I hate Fairyland. From image, we've got a young. That, on the that is that is a book I did not want to like, like could, but it gets you. Doesn't and then it? it got me, and so I. But it's not nominated. But the thing that made us both leap out of our chair, I'm going to say, yes. this better be the one that wins. Uh, like, what kind of threat do I have? But this really is such a great work. Oh, My favorite is thing it. is Monsters, written and illustrated by Emil Ferris from Fanagraphics. Yep. That was my favorite book of 2017, Folks, hands down. Everything about that book is groundbreaking and innovative from the, from the spine design outward. In a well, and, and Chuck and I were talking, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not hallucinating. We had no, this we had this conversation. We yeah. did have this conversation. It was hours ago. Uh, but that really what Emil Ferris is doing is going back to what uh, Will Eisner was starting when he began doing graphic novels. It's not... It does touch on genre. It's got monsters, but it's got history. Oh, it's yeah. got art history. It's got a murder mystery. It's it's psychological. It's beautiful. Uh, the, the whole thing being done on like on blue line paper and it's, it's ballpoint sketching. Yeah, it, it's and, ballpoint. ballpoint pen. And, and it touches like, it touches on what it means to be a fan. It really and, girl, and it gives you, know? you the feeling you're holding an artifact rather than yeah. a book. Yeah. And it's only volume one. Volume yeah. two we're supposed to get this summer. Uh, no, it's coming out in Halloween. Yeah. Halloween? You're going to have to wait a little longer, yeah. Okay, our gush I limit is that. We've reached our gush limit on that. Uh, Paper Girls, <laughs> volume three, written by Brian K. Vaughn and illustrated by Cliff Chang, colored by Matthew Wilson, and lettered by Jared Fletcher. And I think if you're a fan of Stranger Things, Paper yeah, yeah. Girls is a, is a, a yeah. great uh, kind of gateway into comics if you haven't because it's about this group of paper girls literally who get themselves caught up in a time warp a time war in some ways and, and uh, reality upends for them and it's, it's beautifully realized and of course Brian K. Vaughn whatever he touches turns to gold including Speaking his of which, next nominee uh, the volume next seven of Saga which we just talked about in the last podcast because issue number 50 came out 49 and 50 came out after their their break and uh, it's it's not lost anything. It's keeping going. Written by uh, Brian K. Vaughn and illustrated by Fiona, Fiona Staples. I'm beginning to wonder, 
if and how he's going to end this, though. You know, I, you know the, the, the amazing thing to me about that, that series is that it has been, I would say, consistent, but not in the way you think about consistent. It is totally consistent in its art style. Right, sure. And the pacing and the way, way stories are told. But it's, it's consistent in its amazing innovations in the things the characters mm-hmm. are and do and interrelate and the way conflict turns into... Um, a lot of times conflict turns into an acceptance that they're not that much different and then they, it turns around on itself. And I, that's, I just love that book. 50 issues. It's going to end with Pam Ewing waking up from her dream and seeing Bobby in the <laughs> yes. shower. No. Yeah. It's, it's the, the There's Morpheus, no other ending that can happen. Morpheus right the Sandman is going to walk <laughs> into the middle of the scene. It, it's, yeah. uh, It'll it, end with Prince Robot resolving down to a dot <laughs> in the center yes. of the screen. All right. Uh, best related work. So that would be uh, criticism, I guess. Uh, this uh, is historical this, work. It's, it's traditionally stuff that doesn't uh, wedge into the other commu- other categories very well. Nonfiction. Nonfiction, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is this year. It's the tribute. It's basically the tribute category. It looks like okay. to some degree. Well, to some degree, because the first thing is an article, uh, "Crash Override: How GamerGate Nearly Destroyed My Life and How We Can Win the Fight Against Online Hate" yeah. by Zoe Quinn, which I had actually read. And, yeah. Oh. Uh, great, great piece. Cool. Um, and I could not be more timely and more urgent. I pushed hard for this in this category. And, and more impo- yeah. It could not be more important. Uh, Ian M. Banks from the Modern Masters of Science Fiction series by Paul Kincaid. So and uh, this is uh, Banks died last year. right? He died last year. Yeah. yeah. So this will be given posthumously if he wins. Oh, so he's actually, I think, set to be the guest, one of the guests of honor at LungCon. Oh, yes, cool. He was the writer guest of honor and passed cool. away. Yeah. So he could be the ghost of honor. Stephen right. Stephen's favorite book, The Wasp's Factory. <laughs> Uh, so, a, a Lit Fuse, The Provocative Life of Harlan Ellison yep. by Nat Segaloff. Okay. Uh, Luminescent Threads, Connections to Octavia E. Butler. Uh, yeah. oh, I love to see that up there. You know, That's her work is, uh, is getting more and more uh, on, into people's consciousness. Yeah, well, you know? I read the graphic novel adaptation of Kindred last year, and that oh, was cool. beautifully done. So, uh, again, she's getting a lot of attention from, uh, from the culture. No Time to Spare. Thinking About What Matters by Ursula K. Le Guin. And Sleeping with Monsters, Readings and Reactions in Science Fiction and Fantasy. Which is the only one I'm not familiar with on that list. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't read that one, but I am I'm familiar with Aqueduct Press, and they do great work. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very happy to see them on there. So now we're into, into book series. Here we go. The Books of Roxura. Roxura? Roxura, yeah. yeah. Uh, by Martha Wells, who... Um, I, I'm Nightshade. The Divine Series, The Divine Cities, by Robert Jackson Bennett, and then I I, I don't know I don't I haven't read either. Anybody in the audience? I've read the Roxura series. Okay, uh, so talk about it then. I think we'll need, we'll need you've read the Roxura series. I read the Roxura series. It's uh, so who would it appeal to? It appeals it appealed to it appealed to folks that are into into sort of fantasy cultures that are that are in conflict so there's two winged cultures um, shape-shifting wing cultures that are vying against each other and it's one civilization trying to save itself against the rather other oppressive one and um, I'm surprised to see it this year because I read three so there must be more than three books in this series now if it was up for okay, this year and so you are bringing up a question for me when we talk about this category yeah which is how does it qualify for because something could be quali- qualified each year 
if there's a new entry in the series? I believe it has to have an entry in the year of eligibility. Okay. And then And so now I have to go look and see what she's added to this to make it eligible for this okay. year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, So the next is Incipit. Encrypted. 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 Far from insipid. Well done. I'm the problem. And mine is got it backlighting. No, it's got it's got the squiggly lines under it, which makes it hard to read because it's, it's on an iPad. Well, uh, there are intercaps. I'll by, give you that. By Shannon McGuire. Yeah. Uh, and this is the seven books, a seven book series that started with Discount Armageddon. If anybody isn't recognizing the uh, title, uh, Discount Armageddon just happens to be one of my favorite titles, even though I've never read the book. So. Uh, then memoirs for the lady friend who Marie, Marie Brennan, Marie, Marie, we, we had, had, had on earlier. Back to time traveling, you can back, here. come back. Yeah, up, yeah. set in an alternative world based on our own 19th century. The memoirs of Lady Trent are a five-book series chronicling the adventures and discoveries of Ilis- Isabella, Lady Trent, renowned dragon naturalist. There we go. The Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. This is a. Uh, this is, I think, the third volume is out of a 10-book projected series. And wow. each book is huge. Yeah, every book is over 1,000 pages. The first one is over 1,000 pages by one page, and then everything gets a little more after okay, that. Okay, so I will wait for the HBO series? Indeed, you will wait yeah. for, okay. actually, <laughs> yeah. a very, very long series. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll read it on a, on a, on a plane. Um, and each, uh, each book is in a, in a flashback narrative from a different point of view. So it's a different oh. character in each book, which is kind of, kind of what George R. R. Martin does chapter by chapter. Yeah, to be whole books. Only he is way, way faster at writing than George R. R. Martin. Oh, well, that's yeah. good. That's yeah, really. Yeah. Oh, and then I got my daughter started on him for for Christmas. So then we got World of the Five Gods by Lois McMaster Bujold. Yes, which um, Curse of Chalion was this. So you read one. this one? I've, I, well, so there were three novels. Okay. And then um, there was there was Curse of Chalion was the first one, and right. Paladin of Souls, and forget the name of the third one was a different character. But then there was a gap of several years, and now a series of novellas in that world That's come what out I was from subterranean about. press. So they're like nine works all together. Yeah, think. they're up to the fifth of the, of the novellas. Okay. Novellas. Yeah. Anyway, that was they're up to the sixth. Sixth, I'm corrected. <laughs> Say again. Yes, That's the Pen- Penrick novels, uh, novellas from Penrick's Subterranean. Demon. Yeah. Uh, so it's a go- very much a going concern. Right. Okay, and then we go to Best Short Story, Carnival Nine by Caroline M. Joachim beneath, from Beneath Ceaseless Skies. Uh, clearly lettered in a mostly steady hand. I love that title. I, I love the titles <laughs> of these things, man. I, it's, I'm looking for like we because we're members of, of Worldcom, we get like a PDF of, there, of some of these. Depends things, on right? what the publishers want to give. Oh, the uh, but membership. I'm I'm looking forward to actually yeah. reading one or two of these. And a lot of this stuff is online some of them are too, online. So. Okay, I will look it up. Fandom for Robots by Vina G. Jimin Prasad. Prasad, the first of from, the uncanny entries. Uh, the Martian uh, Obelisk by Linda Nagata. From Tor. Sun, Moon, Dust by Ursula Vernon from Uncanny. Uncanny. And Welcome to Your Authentic Indian Experience TM. by <laughs> TM. TM. Oh, I almost missed that. Thank you. By Rebecca Roanhorst from Apex. So, <coughs> fun titles at the very least. I will be searching this. At, can, can I take this home with me? I'll look. Yeah, you can definitely. Yes, thank you. Uh, best Novelette Children of Thorns, Children of Water by Aliette de Baudard. And, and f- it's also Uncanny, but for Novelette, Versus novella, mm-hmm. what is what is the dividing line to make so the it? word count? 
Yeah, well, I know, but what yeah. is 7,500 words. There you go. The order is a short story. You know, Seven to 15K is a You speak so authoritative, you could be lying to me. We'd eat it right up. The later Trust on, me, later I know. On. You know, he's <laughs> new to this podcast. He's not lying. Okay. Yeah, so uh, then Extracurricular Activities by Yoon Ha Lee. The Secret Life of Bots by Suzanne Palmer. Uh, this, uh, a favorite title. I, I have a feeling there's no way it can do anything other than dis- disappoint me because of the title. A Series of Stakes, S-T-E-A-K-S, by Vina G. Min Prasad, because really I just want us to have a series of stakes. Uh, Small Changes Over Long Periods of Time by K.M. Spara. Wind Will Rove by Sarah Pinsker. And those are the, those, and, and how many of those? Oh no, this this Clark's World gets in there. It's not just it's Clark's uncanny, World and Uncanny, and yeah, but yeah. I, I would Clark's like World's to in there twice. To, to point out, you know, this is Silicon Valley, and it's 2018. So I'll point out that the online magazines dominate the Hugos now. Where you go back, right. I, I remember when it was the big three, right? You would get Asimov, Asimov Analog, and FNSF. Right. And that all three short fiction categories were dominated by those. And now, like, you know, Beneath Ceaseless Skies, Uncanny, Tor.com, Clark's World, all of these online. We got an Asimov story. And now, at the when first we talk about online publications, <laughs> are these websites you can go to that are just paid for by ads, or do you subscribe to them and you have access online? Um, well, so it kind of varies. Um, the the um, A lot of them have a web presence, or you could, like, like Uncanny, you can subscribe and, okay. and get, you know, EPUBs or Mobi or whatever you want, um, but also has a web presence. And uh, Tor.com is a very interesting thing. Yes. It could be a whole yes. discussion on its own, but there are stories you can read online on Tor.com. Okay. And, uh, you know, Beneath Seas Disguise, that sort of thing. Asimov's is, you know, Dead Tree right there. Yeah, it's the right, first one right. in that. Apex also Pulpy. has been Dead Tree in the past. I, don't, I think they're online. Right. Best Novella, All Systems Read by Martha Wells. Uh, uh, this would be my favorite title. And then there were... N one. No, it's N minus one. N minus one. Okay, by Sarah Pinsker. I just love that title. Uh, Binti Home by. Oh, I know. I'm not going to pronounce it right. Neddy Akorator. Thank That's you. Part of Chuck. the Binti series. Yep. yep. Three of them are out now. The second in the series. Yeah. Yeah, that's number two. The, yeah. the, third the black. One's out. The black tides of heaven by oh, J. Wow. Is it is it G Yang or is it J Y Yang? J Y Yang. J Y Yang. Okay. Down Among the Sticks and Bones by Shannon McGuire. And River of Teeth. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. River of Teeth by Sarah Gailey. So all of those are Tor.com except Uncanny. Yeah. But they're not on their website. They're, they're, they're the books you can buy. You, they actually, right. Tor's gotten into actually publishing novellas in dead tree format, as Cliff calls it now. So, but, um, but so they're publishing them in like black so and hard copies. Yeah. So those Tor.com books you can buy as a trade paperback or you can get an ebook. Yep. Oh, okay. Or you can wait till your Hugo packet and hope Tor puts them in there. But rivers, <laughs> but rivers of teeth. I have two words for you: feral hippos. Hippo Ooh. riders. Go hippos. on. So it's it's an alternate it's an alternate <laughs> history. It's an alternate history where sometime around 1890, the government thought it would be a good idea to import hippos as an alternative meat supply. And they settled them around like the Louisiana, like the Mississippi Delta area. And they got away. And they flourished and got away. And and uh, so now the whole book is about this this group of people that hunt these hippos. And the danger. Uh, the main character's name is Winslow Houndstooth of of all things. 
and it's and the the sequel's already out. The sequel came out the same year, and it's called um, The Taste of Marrow. And so I saw that. Uh, this was sounding really familiar. Yeah. Yeah, but but feral hippos and it so sounds like Jurassic movie. Park without genetic yes. engineering. Yes. Think about think about like. Uh, uh, the alligators populating like the New York sewers yeah. or something well, like I that. That's the same I mean, kind of I think feel. this is a week that uh, I don't remember which state it is that they've imported and released like 50 kangaroos into the wild. Yeah. So that's an April Fool's story. Oh please, really? Because it was an early April Fool's story. Then I hate Montana. April Fools. Then I hate April Fools. And the it Martha- doesn't count if you have to do it a week ahead of time. And the Martha Wells book involves an, uh, a bot who is an, uh, basically an art- artificial intelligence. Who overrides, who hacks into and overrides its governor, right, that, that keeps it under control, okay. and starts referring, yeah, the, referring to itself oh, privately was, as Murderbot. Yeah. I was going to say it's called the Google story, but okay. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm prepped for best novel. Are you? Uh, I am. Go ahead. There we go. Uh, best novel, Col- The Collapsing Empire by John Scalzi, which is book one of two in the Interdependency series, which yeah. is about a... A discovery for faster-than-light travel, and humanity spreads out among the stars. But then a change starts to happen in this in this uh, enabling uh, essence, and it's starting to go away, which is threatening the collapse of the empire because they'll no longer be able to yep. communicate between spaces. Which sounds like a great idea for a book. And then one that you jumped out of your skin for, uh, Chuck, which was New York 2140. By Kim Stanley Robinson. I love anything Robinson does. When the seas rise, the skyscrapers become islands until all is threatened. Yeah, it's yeah. An eco, another ecological novel. Yeah, and but it, you, it's standalone. I mean, it's not part yeah. of the series or anything. It's standalone. And I also love this book because the the cover by Stefan Martinier. It's a beautiful cover. It's a beautiful, beautiful cover. It made me nominate the guy. I mean, he didn't get the nod, but it made me nominate yeah. the guy anyway. So yeah. And then we got Provenance. By Anne Leckie. Leckie. It's a it's a different it's a standalone story, but it's part of her ancillary justice so universe. It's in the same universe. Yeah. And how many the an, the ancillary books won at least two Hugos? It won one that I know of. Yeah. The first one I know when I yeah the first one won for sure. I think all three were nominated. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Maybe that's why I'm getting I'm yeah. thinking. And then so. Uh, Raven Stratagem. Uh, well, a power-driven... Uh, I've got the... Oh, you've got the definitions. Okay. So the, a power-driven young woman has just one chance to secure the status she craves and regain priceless lost artifacts prized by her people. She must free their thief from a prison planet from which no one has ever returned. That just sounds so pulpy. <laughs> yes. Well, oh. yeah. It's, it's new space opera. It's right. equal to Nine-Tailed Fox, right? Yes. Yes. So. He's got a... He's, He's got a difficult narrative style, and so so it's worth working through it. But it's gonna it's gonna challenge you a little bit, don't you think, Cliff? Yeah. Okay. The Raven the Raven Stratagem by Yun Ha Lee. Captain Kel Saris is possessed by a long dead traitor general. Together they must face the rivalries of Hexakati, a potentially devas- devastating invasion. That's second what I was novel. Referring this is to. Yeah. Second novel in the Machineries of Empire series. Yes, um, that's the sequel to. Dark and Hell it Hell sounds Hell. it sounds really like the whole uh, presence of ghosts in yep. a lot of Asian Asian yep. cu- culture and writing, and uh, and it also reminds me of the uh, the Tao series. Did you ever read any of those? Yeah, and it's also you know these Asian philosophies are more and more coming in. Like we we talked yeah. about the Yang novella. There's actually two novellas that that they put out this year. Um, 
and and they're both set in the same silk punk is kind of a word now silk, silk punk, punk. Oh, yeah. Silk yeah silk punk put in in the same silk punk universe but not really you know, you can read one and read the other without losing anything but but they're both very good they're both great but yeah and yang is a they so yes so we got six wakes by Mer Lafferty which also is nominated for the Nebula and the Philip K Dick oh sweet got all three uh, Maria Awaken Maria Arena awakens in a cloning vat streaked with drying blood. She has no memory of how she died. This is new. Before when she had awakened as a new clone, her first memory was how she died. Marina is Marina Vat is one of seven, each one holding the clone of a crew member a crew member of the starship Dormire, each clone waiting for its previous incarnation to die so it can awaken. And Maria isn't the only one to die recently. So it's a murder mystery. Aha! It's and a it's closed spaceship murder mystery. It's closed spaceship. So nice. Nice. So it's there's only vacuum outside the doors. That's worse than a closed door. <laughs> because when they wake up, so the idea is they've involved the technology that can pretty much map your brain, right? Map your memories, map every aspect of your brain, and they implant those into the new clone, you know, when the new clone is born. And so you're supposed to be able to pick up where you left off when you died. Right. Which brings in the whole philosophical idea of what is self, are these the same person, that whole kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's a take on, but whoever set this up made sure that the recent memories did not do the, make the latest transfer. And so it's partly a murder mystery. It's a take on the old idea of the guilty vicarage, you know, where Father Brown goes in and everybody's got something in their past they'd rather right, not you find right. out. Father Brown. And... Uh, this has the Chris Garcia stamp of approval. Chris Garcia is absolutely mad for this novel. Nice. Okay. Stone Sky by N.K. Jemison. Third book in the conclusion to the post-apocalyptic and highly acclaimed New York Times best-selling trilogy that began with the fifth season, winner of the Hugo Award in 2016, and the Obelisk Gate, which won in 2017. Guys, so we're looking at a possible three-peat here. This is, this is looking like it's got a little, uh, little traction. There's two reasons this excites three reasons this excites me. One, she's a great writer. Two, two, we're looking at a possible three-peat wow. for the yeah. same series, for the three books in the same trilogy. And this is pushing her up like in, in Heinlein territory. You know, Heinlein and I think um, I'm trying to think, was it um, uh has a lot of Bujold has a lot of novels, but she's getting up there with the contenders. I mean, she's getting up yeah. there with like the real heavyweights. So so we'll see if she gets that three-peat because that's that's I can't. I'm excited to see how that works out. Yeah, yeah. All right. And That'll then wrapping, wrapping up, we've got the uh, John W. Campbell Award for Best New Hugo. Writer, not a Hugo, um, <laughs> non Hugo. <laughs> hey, is that a Hugo? No. And it's Catherine Arden, Sarah Kuhn, Jeanette Ning, Ing, Jeanette Ing, 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 Vina Jimin Prasad. Rebecca Roanhorse and River Solomon. Yeah, these are always new to me. Yep. Always. That's well, that's their best new writers. Well, They're the best yeah. new writers. Yeah. Rebecca uh, Roanhorse of Welcome to Your Authentic Indian Experience yes. TM yes. Fame. Ah. She does have another nomination. All and right. you know what? New is new is kind of relative here because you know they've been toiling for a while, you know. And, and now they're just kind of getting noticed. Right, it's kind and, of the overnight yeah. success thing that took Right. Seven As years. Jay Lake called it, the, the Rookie of the Year Award. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, we have the World Science Fiction Society Award for Best Young Adult Book. Did we say that they're going to come up with a different name for that? They are, but they won't tell us what it is yet. <laughs> so the it'll, it'll be decided in a business meeting. Complicated. <laughs> yes. It's complicated. It's, it's, it's Twilight Award, right? According to Andy. 
So, uh, <laughs> here, you can, just you can take these. Can you <laughs> okay, well, may the odds be ever in my favor here. Uh, this is a, a Kata Warrior by Nnedi Okarator. The Art of Starving by Sam J. Miller. The Book of Dust, Le Belle Sauvage, by Philip Pullman, uh, which is sort of a side... Yeah. Starting a new side series oh, to his Dark Materials. Yeah. Right, yes. Which is being uh, remade by the BBC. BBC, right now. yes. Yeah. Uh, in Other Lands by Sarah Reese Brennan. A Skin Full of Shadows by Francis Harding. And Summer in Orcus, written by T. Kingfisher, who is actually Ursula Vernon, illustrated by Lauren Henderson. I'm so, intrigued by that title, A Skin Full of Shadows. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's interesting that uh, that you've got a YA category because there just seems to be so much great stuff getting yeah. getting. Yeah, when they say YA, but let's say you know, middle schoolers really are the ones devouring this and and getting them involved in sci-fi um, in, in genre. Fiction. I know my pal JC there spends a lot of time in the paranormal teen romance section of his bookstore, and uh, <laughs> and he has no children. It's just a little disturbing. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm kidding. I didn't mean to besmirch him. Uh, well, you know, high five, everybody. We got through it. Awesome. Uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't lie to you very much. And thank you, not you knowingly. Thank you for sitting audience. This. Thank you for staying. I, this is. I'm just still blown away by not only of you are still here on a on a lovely Saturday. You'd rather be here drinking and eating linguisa corn dogs. But they all are doing that too. We can multitask at Seven Flags. Bar and no, grills, seven, seven stars, stars. Seven, seven stars, flags. Whoa, my god, now we're really gonna have to pay our tab. Yeah, yeah, I know. What's really weird is I don't think Rick seven has been stars. Drinking. I no, had one early. Did you have one this of the bottomless so mimosas? Is that, <laughs> this is, this is, I haven't anything to eat. It's a problem. <laughs> so, go ahead. Enough about me. Thank I, you I for being here. And Thank sharing with us the, the Worldcon finalists for 2018. Right. Give yourself a round of applause. And, and thank all the people who worked in the Hugo administration, the Hugo administrators, all the... Absolutely. The, the, it's a thankless task, but so, I'm thanking them. So the people to thank... The people to thank on Hugo administration are our Hugo administrator, Dave McCarty. Yay. Um, our Hugo... Uh, Tech guy Ron Oaks, yay! Um, our uh, video, uh, our video editors and creators for the show this weekend, uh, uh, Stephen Nelson and Chris Doyle. Woo! Yay! Thank you. Um, our absolutely tireless—I'm not kidding—working from Moscow nominee coordinator uh, Susan DeGardiola. Um, who has been on email constantly for the last two weeks. And numerous other people who I'm going to have to buy a drink or something because I'm forgetting who they are. Yeah. Yay, um, numerous other people. But, yeah, so... And, <laughs> and I think they are very, very much looking forward to getting through the final voting and handing the show over to... Uh, to uh, Meg Frank and David D'Antonio, and our wonderful Hugo host, John Picasso. We're saying to anyone listening to this podcast that if you are interested in Worldcon and the, in the Hugo Awards and you have not already 
caught that we've been talking about this on the podcast from time to time. Yeah. You can go to worldcon76.org for more information. And uh, we hope to see many people in San Jose in August for that. And check the liner notes. We'll have tons of links about tons liner of books. Notes. We usually run and that. If you as join well. now, you can vote in the Hugos. That's true. That's you right. can have a say. Ooh, there's still time. In the win. There is. Yeah. Still in the All win. right. And of course, if people listening have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, or criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. I actually got two emails. In the past two days, I'm very excited. So, uh, thank you. I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of Fanboy Planet. I am Chuck Surface, aka Two Buck Chuck. I am Cliff Winnig, and I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use your powers for good. Love you all. Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon. Try the moral Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.